You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. Hello everyone and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lynn Markell. Hey there, Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. And, uh, hey. Hey. In case, uh, no one saw the lovely, lovely news about two weeks ago, I think, at this point. Yeah, it would be about two weeks ago now. Uh, they announced on D&D Beyond the Von Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Ooh! Yes. Ooh, I didn't actually know about this, because I'm, I live under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) That rock is called Final Fantasy. It is, from my understanding anyway, basically a updated version of the whole Ravenloft setting. Yeah. For 5th edition. It's a source book, it's a campaign source book, and it's, uh... Pretty exciting. I, I'm sure you guys have heard us talk. I mean, if you've listened to our first episode, you have heard us talk about. No, I'm sorry, a second episode. You've heard us talk about Ravenloft and yeah, all that. And uh, my first episode, <sighs> um, uh, memories and uh, memories. The good old Strahd. Yeah, I wouldn't say good. I would say old, but I wouldn't say good. He's definitely old. He fucking sucks. He's I love him. He's good at being bad. He fucking sucks. I love him. Um, and uh, God, I know we talk we talk about this too all the time. Um, but like, it's so crazy to me that like stuff is coming out for mm-hmm. for Dean, and that we might you know talk about it one day. Like, imagine being like. Uh, uh, what's what's it called again? Von Von Richten. Von Richten. Von Richten's guide to Ravenloft that was published in 2021. It's like I know. <laughs> it's I know. crazy to me. Like oh oh, time is passing. Oh, actually, on that note, we are going to be talking about some more recent uh, ooh lore. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Igwilf. Oh no! You know, oh no! The Igwil who wrote the demonomicon of Igwil, the Ig, the 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 person whose name I cannot say for the life of that me. one, the Igwil. The so um, I believe you mentioned Igwil before in demons, demons, devils, a little bit here and there, kind of just on, splashed around, yeah. So, Igwilf was a human archmage of some renown, actually basically tying for the most powerful archmage of the multiverse, along with Mordekainen and Elminster. Who are, uh, yeah. I love them both. I know, right? Just the, those are some... Some names. Yeah, some names to be thrown around, yeah. So, I was trying my damnedest to figure out how to squeeze in a surprise reveal for this one, but honestly, anyone who has access to the source book would know, and, well, anyone who's... Listening to this episode at this point, if you clicked on it, because you know, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. Igwill used to be known as Natasha the Dark. You know, Natasha of Tasha's hideous laughter. What? And Tasha's cauldron of everything. 
that Natasha. What? Oh my god. I didn't know that. I see. I also did I not didn't know, know that. I never looked into the source book, but No, I, I didn't was either. not expecting that. So Igwill, who I will refer to as both Tasha and Natasha and Igwill from here on in when appropriate, was prominently featured in a source book that recently came out called Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which was published on November 17th of 2020. Yes. Um, as such, she's gotten a lot more interest of late. I actually started looking into this last year after it came out, but I had gotten into the Tasha Igwill reveal while I was doing research into the Demonomicon. Uh, that was part of the reason I was like, don't worry, guys, I, I'll handle the Tasha stuff. We'll do an episode real soon. And don't even worry about looking at the Tasha stuff. I got it. Yeah. Wow. We need to we need to tag this episode with like spoilers. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> we need to tag this episode. And with, uh, I don't know. Tasha's cauldron of everything. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. No, that that I'm, the reason I said that specifically about like people who click on this episode will know is because I'm sure on our like page for the episode will say Tasha's Cauldron of Everything spoilers. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. I also just want to add a little uh, side note here since we have recently been looking into actually like reading through Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. I fucking love it. Like I've been reading through it. Uh, first of all, the Artificer class I am in love with, but just everything that it's added and little snippets that are thrown about are just amazing. So it, it, it's good. It's if really you have good. access to it. You should look through it. It's really good. So I want to preface this with a cute little feature that's on, uh, on Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, the book. Cute. Uh, on the well, uh, on the credits page, underneath all of the authors and credits, and just above the publication information is this. Okay, we'll go with great little disclaimer. Uh, disclaimer. Contained herein are the observations of the Archmage Tasha, later known as the Witch Queen and then Igwilv. She is one of the greatest wizards in the history of the multiverse. We fear there is an incantation hidden in, within these notes and have therefore bound this tome with powerful words. If you are reading this, the first world has already been, been broken. If, oh, no. you, if you dare read any further, we cannot guarantee the safety of your soul or that you won't open a portal to another plane of existence. If a portal does appear... Pray that nothing worse than Tasha's mother, Baba Yaga, appears. <laughs> and if the mother of Hags arrives, be sure to only offer praises of her daughter. Or offer muffins. She loves muffins. <laughs> well, son of a bitch. <laughs> Wait. I might have forfeited my soul at this point. Yeah. Wait, what Because I didn't read that disclaimer. What yeah. if it's like a, um, a, are we... Are we dooming, like, our audience? Well, probably by... not, because they haven't physically opened up the book. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that, okay, because I know that with, with demon-y stuff, it can be very specific like that. But also, could you imagine if we just, like, like sold the soul of our entire listener base to, like, Baba Yaga? Yeah, like, By um, listening to this episode? What's that horror movie? The Ring? Or, well, yeah, that's one of the in the ring is like if you watch the tape. Yeah, if you watch. So the tape, if die. you listen, yeah. if you listen to this episode, you might die <laughs> from the Baba Yaga. Yeah, or um, maybe Igwilf herself. <gasps> I said it right. You did it. I did it. I did. Everybody see that because I will not be doing it again. But also, you might. You might from Baba Yaga. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Baba Yaga is just here. She's just here. I love that name. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, uh, and the whole book is just kind of filled with little notes like that from, like, oh, God, Pasha yeah. and... Oh, nice. I love that shit. Snippets. It's great. It it really is great. Um, So, Igual was first introduced in Gary Gygax's The Lost Caverns of Sojkon. And Travis and Lewin have s- some of my notes before them, so they might notice that it's spelled... T-S-O-J-C-A-N-T-H, and it's pronounced Sojkon. Anyways, it was created in 1976 for a gaming convention and published in 1982. It's pro- it is definitely pronounced Sojkon. I had to look it up and found a Christopher Perkins tweet where he pronounced it. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher Perkins, for clarifying that. Yeah. Because definitely would not have guessed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have pronounced it like Sojkanth. And honestly, prior to that tweet, it seems like a lot of people pronounce it a lot of different things. Um, so the Lost Caverns is set in Greyhawk. Um, in the Yatil Mountains south of Perrinland, there is rumored to be a magical hoard of unsurpassed value, a treasure of fame that scores of adventurers have perished in search of it. Find the perilous Lost Caverns of so- Sojkon, and you may gain the hidden wealth of the long-dead Archmage, if you live. Oh, shit. That was on the little cover blurb. The long-dead Archmage was Igwilv, who was introduced as the former ruler of Perrinland and the lover of the demon prince Grazd. (laughs) Grazd! Grazd has made a return, because I know that we've mentioned that name before. We have. We've mentioned Grazd a lot. Several times, yeah. Yeah. Um, He was also suspected to be her killer. Oh, I mean, that sucks. he literally is a demon prince. I mean... What was she expecting? Chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, it, the adventurers explore her caverns, fight through monsters, and eventually discover Igwilv's daughter, a vampire named Drelza, who lives in the caves, and they defeat her and get treasure. Yay! Yay! Woo! The module also first introduced the Demonomicon to D&D, which was later described as her treatise on powerful evil creatures of the lower planes. Okay. Okay, um, cool. The Hold up. Question. Hold. What's up? How the hell did Igwilv and a demon prince create a vampire? I mean... I'll get to that later. Oh, oh. are we actually gonna... Oh, yeah, okay. we're actually gonna talk about it. Okay, oh. cool. Great. All I right. I honestly thought that that was just something that didn't have an answer. Never mind. Yeah, don't it, you it know that it's, it's like... Um, it's like mules. Don't you know that when like an archmage and a demon have a baby, it comes out a vampire? Jeez, Travis. I'm sorry, I didn't I wasn't aware of this. I'm not terribly read on the spawning of demons. <laughs> That's not true whatsoever. <laughs> so uh Gary Gygax actually mentioned that inspiration for Igwilf came from a Finnish epic called Kalevala. It's a 19th century epic that contains Karelian and uh Finnish folklore. Oral folklore. Karelian, by the way, is Karelian. I, I, I'm sorry. I looked it up and I didn't write it down, and now it's gone. Um, it's a region in Finland that kind of has a similar but not the same folklore. Right. It's like Welsh folklore and Celtic folklore. Exactly. Okay. Right. Uh, they, so uh, Kalevala has their oral folklore and creation mythology. Uh, the character who directly inspired Igwilv was. Lohe, which is pronounced L-O-U, or which, sorry, which is spelled L-O-U-H-I. Uh, Lohe is a Finnish and Karelian mythological feature, mythological figure, who is the <laughs> wicked queen of a land known as Pohula. Pohula. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I uh, mean, Finnish words, man. Yeah. <laughs> words, man. <laughs> she, uh, so she's 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> she's this powerful witch. She's evil. Sick. She's a <laughs> she's a shapeshifter and an enchantress. And the main antagonist of Kalevala. Sick. Luna's entered the chat. Uh, she's also the alter ego of the Finnish goddess of death, Laviatar. Cool. Laviatar is also introduced, included in D&D lore alongside other real world deities. And um, Loe is given as an alias for Igwild. Cool. I thought I'd recognize that name. That's cool. Laviatar? Yeah. Okay. Didn't know that it was related to something from real life, but... Yeah, she's sick. an actual fin- Finnish goddess. I like it. That's uh, fucking sick. Okay. <laughs> Igwilv is mentioned sporadically throughout the history of D&D, but not featured pr- prominently very often, at least early on. Um, in Isle of the Ape, which is an adventure module released in 1985, she is mentioned as being very much alive, actually, and angry, <laughs> wanting to wreak havoc on all good, and the people, specifically the people who slayed her daughter. Oh. oh, is that is that meant to be connected to the? It, uh, well, it's mayhaps. not so much that like she. It's not so, so much that like you play that campaign and then you play this one. It's that she wants to, um, she wants to get revenge on the people who killed her daughter. But she's well, she. But also in doing that, she also wants to take over the world. Oh, okay, cool. So they they would be. Like, she's a multitasker. Yeah. Okay. I so you can have totally separate adventures. Two birds, one stone. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So she wants an army of daemons, Eucaloths, by the way. Awesome, um, <laughs> I love those guys. God. To fight for her and destroy all of Earth. Again, this is Greyhawk, so it's on Earth. Right. Right. The adventurers have to trek around a jungle to find the means to defeat Igwild, which is a crooked staff with the ability to banish powerful evil called the Crook of Rao. It's kind of like a shepherd's staff. Oh, sick. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Oh. Crooked staff. Okay. Yeah. Makes a whole lot more sense now. Oh. It took my brain a minute to connect what you said to the crookedness. Got it. Yeah. I'm thinking about Okami. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but I mean, what am I not thinking about Okami? Anyway. At some point, it will find out about their attempt to stop her. And she has an Arcanoloth named Tulak Luck and eight Mesoloths disguise themselves as angels to trick the adventurers Ooh. into handling, handing over the crook. Ooh. When the adventurers do... They step through a door that leads directly into Hades and Igwilf's home. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the disguised angels reveal themselves in this giant battle ensues, which usually involves actual angels help- helping the group to defeat Igwilf. Up to DM's discretion. <laughs> Damn. I mean, I, that's, sure, that's very dramatic. That is some intense stuff, man. We need, yeah. we need, like, more, we need more stuff like this in uh, present day for 5th edition. Right? Like, why, why are there angels there? <laughs> They also want to help defeat Igwilf. I mean, I guess she but... wants to kill everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I just wonder what the exact chain of events that led up to that. Oh well, I mean, like, you can like find the supplement and like. Well, no, you know, but okay, it's a lot to take in though. Okay, it is. It's like okay, now they're in Hades, and also there are some angels there. Woo! It's a lot to take in. It is. Um, from here, Igwilf is mentioned only a few more times in first edition, including in. Satirical adventure Ooh. released in 1988, which was just titled Castle Greyhawk. What? <laughs> a satirical? satirical. This is already oh, promising. Okay. Deep beneath the keep of Castle Greyhawk, a really nasty device is create ha, is created mutated, unpleasant monsters that are running wild throughout the castle and the 12 level dungeon beneath. The call has gone out for heroic, fearless, and perhaps foolish adventures to out hack, out slash, and sometimes even out think hordes of domen. <laughs> Headless mice, 
manic bee queens, and really bad dead things. But burger men, crazed chefs, and movie mog- moguls. If they survive these and much odder obstacles, the characters still have to find the nasty monster creator and put it out of business. <laughs> what the hell? Basically, this su- this supplement or adventure has really polarized views. It's non-canon, obviously. No, it should be canon, I think. But, like, everyone either loves it or hates it. It's, like, I- seriously, the way I found this was this guy was like, I didn't even want to write this, but here it is. <laughs> and, okay. like, I get it. It's very polarizing, but... It, it's it's funny to I me. I don't really quite know how to feel about that. Um, But basically, the whole point of this is, in one part, the heroes come into this room and they recite a magic poem. <laughs> of course they do. I'll show you love and let you see a charming couple in greatest ecstasy. Oh, God. In throes of passion, Igwilb and Graz come before came Ayo's, the that pint-sized brat. <laughs> then, a vision yes. of Igwilb asking Grazit for a party of adventurers appears, and the party is forced to fight a dozen demons. If party members are killed, they appear in Igwilv's hand, and she will eat them after three <laughs> rounds, unless the party <laughs> rescues the characters or defeats the demons. How do you rescue the characters? You just, like, snatch them out of her hand? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I hope you saved up. I hope you got a lot of wish spells. Or a limited wish spell. Okay. Um, if the party defeats the demons, Igwilv will be very angry at Graz. <laughs> Uh, the party then has the opportunity to steal Igwild and Graz's wedding gifts, which includes a golden statue that says, From Orcus with Love. They picked up the statue of clothes for 20 d 6 Wait, this, this was their wedding? What? Was this their wedding? No, they just, their wedding, I guess it might be their honeymoon or something. They're, like, I because that's my idea of romance is... is like just watching a bunch of people get murdered by my demon underlings. I mean, I'm a demon, <laughs> and she's with a demon. Yeah, so I, you know, I see. I said it, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, that sounds kind of nice, actually. That but sounds like, romantic. Twenty d six of damage. Thank you, Orcus. Yeah, as you can see, <laughs> you Orcus ass. really loves Graz. <laughs> I fucking God, I so, can't stand him. Circling back to the poem, the <laughs> yeah. reference of Ayus, who was Iquilb and Graz's son. Ayus was first introduced in 1980s World of Greyhawk and then Deities of Demigods of the World of Greyhawk. Which is not a parody, by the way. No, no. yeah, <laughs> that, that part's real. We're, we're back, back into serious publications. This is all canon now. Um, so he's a half-fiend demigod. Um, originally, it was suggested that he could be the offspring of Orcus before being confirmed as being Graz and Igwilves. Um, in Dragon Magazine issue 67 in 1982, it's revealed that he is also a sometimes lover of Zugtamoy. Awesome. And, and has a soul object that allows him to revive on her plane when killed. For anyone who doesn't remember, Zugtamoy is the uh, uh, demon queen. Demon She's the fungus fung- queen. Yeah. Um, you know what? No, I'm not going to touch that. Continue. No. <laughs> That's okay. I use, can touch that for you. Um, the same Someone issue, coincidentally or not, had a spell that Gary Gygax created called Tasha's Uncontrollable Hideous Laughter. Oh. It's the very first Oh my instance. god. Oh, is this this is the this is the first? It's the first yes. instance. This is the first laughing fit? Yes. yes. Oh god. Um anyone un unaware of it, it's like a iconic D D spell. It's been in every edition. Um in first edition it's level two. 
And uh, it, this spell enables the caster to cause the subject to perceive everything as hilariously funny. Uh, the ca- effect will not is not immediate, and the subject creature will feel only a slight tingling on the round the Dwemer has placed. But on the round immediately following, it will begin smiling, then giggling, chuckling, tittering, snickering, guffawing, and finally collapsing into gales of uncontrollable, hideous laughter. <laughs> Damn, that's a that's, that's a progression. A, they yeah. yeah, they really busted out the 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 thesaurus for that one. It's this yeah. icon. It's a, an, I can't talk about how like iconic this spell is. Like everyone, who it has, is. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly yeah, it's iconic. like it's a it's a staple. Yeah. Like I literally, when I was making a a, a bard character for some uh, curse of Strahd stuff that we've done, I was like, I can't not give him Tasha's hideous laughter. Right. Like, it's it's just... It's, you have to take it. You have, like, you have to. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to, but, like, you have to. So, this spell was <laughs> created because a little girl named Tasha <gasps> sent Gygax letters that she wrote in crayon, and one of which oh, she asked him to create a spell involving laughter. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so precious. Uh, Gary Gygax, oh. I wish you were still alive so I could Oh, just- rest in peace. <laughs> Just obtain like, more knowledge from the man. Well, so that, I could write you letters in crayon. That and just to be like, do you realize how good of a person you are? Uh, oh. He apparently did this with lots of stuff. Um, people That's who so sick. Oh my god! Inspired him. Characters in his own campaigns that were interesting to him or important to him, he would turn into spells. That's so. Oh man, <sighs> I love it though. I hope I hope Tasha's doing well. Tasha, if you're listening to this, you rock. Oh man. I wish we could find her. I know. Actually. I wish that there was any in- information about her. Um, well, uh, Tasha, if you're listening to this, <laughs> contact Wizards of the Coast, and also please follow us. <laughs> well, I was going to say contact us. Yeah, so. I was going to say contact us. Like. Well, I wanted her to contact Wizards of the Coast so it could be verified first. I mean, oh, that too, but... Yeah, true. Okay, uh, Anyways, uh, this was actually the first mention of Tasha in Dungeons & Dragons. So, like at all, not just in the context of the spell? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, so, um, yeah, went from, like, Igwil, then Natasha, and then just Tasha. I mean, we haven't gone that route, but they're all one and the same, basically. Right. In Dragon Magazine issue 83, which was released in 1984. Sorry, Should have been released in 1983. It would, right? Um, it released a small adventure supplement for high-level adventurers, The Dancing Hut. It features the Baba Yaga nice. and her yes. titular Dancing Hut. That sounds like something else. <laughs> which can appear anywhere. So I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. But I don't either. Uh, scaring away all wildlife. Uh, the hut has a small cabin with a decorated wooden roof, otherwise very innocuous, except for the fact that it sits on 12-foot-long chicken <gasps> legs. Oh, right, right. I oh, my God. F- I forgot that that sometimes, like, well, I, uh, to be honest, I really don't know much about the Baba Yaga, but, like, I know that that's... A thing. That's imagery that's associated with her a lot. <laughs> a 12-foot-long chicken leg house. No, two of them. Two of them. There's two chicken two legs. Sorry. The hut will usually be seen dancing or spinning, hence the dancing hut. I won't go too in-depth on the hut, but it's very cool, and the Babiaga can command it to run or let her down, etc. So this is not... A very interesting Star Wars 3D render video oh, of a dancing hut. It, listen, <laughs> if you have time, I can oh talk about the entirety of just the dancing hut. But I know okay. that you don't have time. I mean, maybe in another episode. We can talk, just talk about the dancing hut. Baba Yaga is perhaps the most 
famous of all legendary witches, and her powers are described a lot in Russian folklore and literature. Um, in appearance, Babiaga is man-sized, horrifyingly ugly, walks over, walks crouched over. She looks like this old woman. Um, her limbs are like almost skeletal and covered in hard skin or like gray skin. I guess. Yeah, like like kind of almost. Um, yeah, like a like a like decaying. Decaying. Almost, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Upon uh, which magical runes have been tattooed. Um, she has like your traditional long warty nose and protruding chin and like black eyes right Uh, she's incredibly powerful like I don't have time to talk about how powerful she is (laughs) so the article explains how difficult it is to enter the the hut the decor and the traps all that jazz Uh, when the article gets to describing the rooms it describes the room and owner of Natasha's chambers Natasha the dark is an adopted human daughter of Baba Yaga Baba Yaga influenced her to use her sorcery for dark purposes. She's a beautiful young woman with black hair and alabaster skin. Natasha enjoys manipulating demons and uses them as servants and guardians. She is jealous of her sister, Elena, and despises her goodness but will never harm Elena. Natasha is a chaotic evil illusionist of 6th level and magic user, which is an alternate word in 1st edition for wizard, a mm-hmm. 15th level. Ooh, Jesus. And is disca- described as being materialistic and vain. Huh. Jesus. Um, For fifth edition, a 15th level magic user is up there. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. really up there. Um, T- Natasha's sister, Elena, is another adopted daughter called Elena the Fair. She is lawful good and learned her magic from her mother, but unlike Natasha, uses her power for good. When Baba Yaga found her, she originally took her in as a house servant, but when no one came to claim her, she adopted her and... She became a, and Elena became a powerful sorceress. Even though all the evil things of the hut kind of despise her goodness, none dare harm her and all of them respect her. Huh. Elena is a 16th level <laughs> wizard slash magic user. Oh, that's why they all respect her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, she's very friendly to good adventurers, but won't allow them to hurt anyone in the hut. And I'm also going to assume that they're afraid to harm her because Baba Yaga. Could be. Also yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, well, um, what's the, um, What's the vetting process for uh, it to be like adopted by Baba Yaga? I is she that, actually? <laughs> oh, is she taking applications? Mm-mm, I don't know. Drop the link. Message me the link. Oh god. Interestingly, the article goes on to describe Baba Yaga. Right. Um, as long as characters are polite and don't lie, she can detect lies automatically, so you won't get away <laughs> with it. Not you true. won't even get get a chance to try to try. I mean, like you can roll for it, but you can most certainly try, but it, it won't, won't do anything. Matter. Not won't even do a nat twenty will be a succeed success. She honestly, the only way I would, as a DM, accept a nat twenty is oh, she knows you're lying, but, <laughs> but she finds it charming. She's willing to humor you for whatever reason. Uh, so, so as long as they're polite and don't lie. She'll never harm them, and she might even help them. Ooh. Just by being, by virtue of them being honest with her and talking to her. Uh, she's a very bizarre person. No. Um, and harm, harming her or intent to harm her is not polite, by the way. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, I figured. <laughs> so she can be somewhat cruel with word choice, but otherwise is very pleasant and helpful. Um, What's the most interesting, and perhaps the reason why she has these adopted daughters, is that even though she is neutral evil, good aligned beings that have one hit dice or less will not be harmed by Baba Yaga. So that's the vetting process. Okay. Okay. You have to be really young. Or just ridiculously weak. Or that, yeah. 
Um, well, c- congratulations. She believes this would bring to a me. great curse upon her from all good aligned deities who protect the weak and good, and she instead sends such beings away. Many tales are told of good children who were abandoned on the doorstep of the hut to be taken in as servants for a short time before being sent away. Hmm. That's interesting. And clearly she keeps the ones that she likes. Um, right. The the children, nearly always young girls, benefited from the experience in various ways. Baba Yaga often rewarded good performance from such children with great gifts, possibly to appease the deities that were looking out for the youngster. Or maybe she genuinely just likes kids. I don't know. You see, I feel like they're trying to skirt around it, or, or that this would either be her own in-universe explanation, or the um, writer's like way to try to kind of skirt around it. But the reality of it is, is that she just has a soft spot for kids and like weak people. She, yeah, she she very well might just have a soft spot. Like I could see it. <laughs> oh man, and this all is just giving me like a combination of like s- somewhat like reversed. Different roles, Howl's Moving Castle, mm-hmm. with a little bit of Master Matoya from Final Fantasy XIV. Um, oh man, these vi- this is imp- this is impeccable. So I actually was reading this, and I was like, "This feels very, very fam- familiar to me." And then I remembered Dragon Age. <gasps> oh shit, that too. In Dragon Age, there's a character who is like L- literally just the Bobby literally Yaga. just. The pretty, Baba Yaga. Pretty and, much, yeah. And she has adopted daughters. Who are also very magically powerful and maybe feel a little weird about it. Yeah, it, it's just, anyway. Oh, it, it's, it's, oh man. It's a lot of good good stuff. Oh, anyway. Oh. Damn. So, and, and a lot of that probably is to the credit of this particular portrayal of the Baba Yaga and not just yeah. the actual yeah. real world Baba Yaga. I was going to say real world lore, also known as mythology. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> but oh. uh, we'll keep talking about how Natasha, Tasha, and Igwil all kind of coincide after we take a quick break. Okay, um, I'm going to use this time to try to find her contact information, and I'm going to send her an application to clean her house. Okay. And maybe she'll adopt me. Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening on our sneaky, sneaky episode on Igwil and Tasha. Uh, It's it's like a two-parter, but... But it's not. But not. not. (laughs) It's two in one. Thank you. I couldn't remember the expression. And, well... I can't say that you can get two in one for uh, this next upcoming bit, but you can get some for the price of <laughs> other some. Basically, <laughs> I tried. I, um, I give you, I give you the uh, A for effort on at least trying to segue from that, but I, I tried, you know. and for that, I should not be criticized. Um, <laughs> we still have our, we still somehow have our affiliate. Po- partnership with Metallic Dice Games. We should email them and ask them to do a buy one, get one in anticipation of the release of this episode. <laughs> Just kidding. Because that, that would make it work. Um, I'm trying to be supportive. Metallic Dice Games is a great place to buy all of your dice and dice accessories and a lot of stuff that you need for D&D. Like dice. Like dice. You need and a, lot of, a dice. lot of stuff that your goblin friends want. We're both looking at Lewin. They want more dice. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. Gotta have more dice. Okay. With code Dungeonpedia, you can get 10% off your entire order. That's code Dungeonpedia for 10% off. Uh, and that is, again, at MetallicDiceGames.com. 
Uh, also, if you would <laughs> like to support more of this madness directly, you can check out our Patreon at Dungeonpedia. We have a $5 tier where you can uh, read our notes, which these uh, are, are a delight, it sounds like. <laughs> please, please do not make fun. If, if you're reading the notes for this episode, please don't make fun of the fact that I misspell Baba Yaga in a bunch of different ways. <laughs> Baba Yoga, Babe Yaga. Hey. It, it happens. We're lucky that I didn't type Baby Yoda. <laughs> I Tasha, was waiting for Tasha it. and her mother, the Baby Yoda. <laughs> anyway, once, once again, that's uh, Dungeonpedia on Patreon. And uh, thank you for... To all of our patrons, or for you for considering checking it out, or just listening. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dungeonpedia, where we may or may not post pictures of the Babe Yaga. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or the Bobby Yoga. Or the Baby Yoda. <laughs> That's actually pretty likely. Um, you can also <laughs> email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com if you have any uh, comments. Um, corrections or episode suggestions you can also subscribe to us wherever you listen to get notifications of our new episodes so that way if we somehow occasionally (laughs) might forget to post it the day it comes out on our social media you'll get notified regardless and uh, also remember if whatever platform you listen to us on has the ability to rate us and give a review those all help us greatly to stand out and get a bit more um Recognition. Recognition. And uh, the other thing that helps probably a lot more is just word of mouth. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Your friends who like witches. Your friends who like cauldrons. Russian folklore. Your friends who- And Finnish folklore. Yeah, true. Yeah, we really do cover quite a lot of folklore here. So I'm sure you got friends that are like that. Tell them. They'll enjoy it. Your friends will also enjoy- our theme song, Blacksmith, by Alexander Nakarada. Thank oh, you, I Alexander. I can guarantee it. That yes. is a bop. It is a bop. A banger, even. Hello, but, uh, fellow kids. <laughs> Jesus. But uh, with that, I think uh, we should go back and learn more about Tasha and the Baba Yoga. No, no Baby Yoda. <laughs> right. So, to Tasha. My application was rejected. Oh, I'm sorry. Rip. Did she, she say why? She's, she just said she's not hiring. Oh. Well. Must, she must already have two daughters right now. Yeah. M- I'm maybe, only, maybe next year. I'm an only child, so I probably wouldn't do well with the with the competition. <laughs> well, you can try again later. And, and for now, I'll tell you more about her other daughter. Yes. Yay. More about Tasha or Igwilv or Natasha or... Whatever you want to call her. <laughs> so, Iquilf and Tasha both become these iconic D&D characters with artifacts and spells created by them and for them. Right. The Demonomicon, which is Iquilf's best-known creation, gets a lot more attention in 3rd edition. Particularly in Dragon Magazine issue 336 in 2005, where Iquilf and the Demonomicon are front and center. Nice. Iquilf is discussed as the Mother of Witches, the Queen of Night, and worshipped by some as a... The Dark Matron of Sorcery. Fuck yeah. Even though she's not, like, even a demigoddess or anything. Beautiful, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the issue mentions many rumors, including one that she was the daughter of Baba Yaga. Which uh, is... I mean, like, I already... Spoiler alert. She is. But she, oh, okay. it, it was just a rumor in this. Gotcha. Okay. Um, her first confirmed appearance was three centuries before the endgame present in Greyhawk. 
in a land known as Alkets, going by the name of Hira. Uh, she plundered the area doing vile investigations. <laughs> what? In quotations, by the way. And what does that mean? Your guess is as good as mine. Were, were the investigations I... vile, or were they investigations of vile things? Probably or, both. Or both, I'm yeah. honestly a little scared to know the true answer to that. I, I'm going to say both. She was she pissed off one too many people and was exiled to the city of Greyhawk, <laughs> where she was trained under a mysterious lord named Zagig Irregern. <laughs> Zagig Irregern. Mr. Mr. Actually, I do think it's pronounced Irregern, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Mr. Zagig. Um, Mr. Zagig. <laughs> eventually, the two uh, even summon and bound the demon lord Frazer Blue. I don't think I recognize that demon uh, lord's name. Actually, no. I mean, that's a see. I don't. I don't. But I looked at that and I was like, yeah, that's a demon lord name. Uh, he's the prince of deception. Okay. So I did talk about him briefly. Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Or are you deceiving us and you didn't actually? Hmm. No, I did. He had a creepy <laughs> poem that I read. Oh, that's right. He's the creepy poem guy. Um. So also, that was a, that was a joke. <laughs> About it being the demon order exception. Not Caleb doesn't lie. Tend to, uh, you know, take the back seat on this and be the apprentice. No oh boy. Uh, Igwil plundered her mentor's possessions and fled to the Yatil Mountains and claimed an abandoned dungeon created by an ancient wizard, Sojkan. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, hey, at least she only like stole all of his stuff instead of murdering him. Oh yeah, no, it <laughs> could have been worse. Um, well, there she imprisoned the powerful demon lord Graz. <laughs> I mean, is he really that... I mean, I guess he, he technically is that powerful, but it's also, like, kind of funny that it's, like, he just got, like, imprisoned, like, summoned and bound by just, like, a... I mean, yeah, she's very powerful, like, but you know, sorceress, but like it's, like, one just, like a, just like a yeah. person. Just like, like she, just regular-ass human uh, woman. Just a few years before, she had been exiled out of a whole land. Uh-huh. Uh, so, at first, he was pissed off. He was enraged. Right. Uh, as you would imagine. I mean... Right, I would be. Yeah, same. Same. Um, but she eventually coaxes him into agreement with the promise of being free one day. And then the two become lovers, and Graz eventually gave Igwil knowledge and gifts to increase her power. Wait, 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 let me guess. That's not the only thing he gave her. <laughs> they had their son, Ayus! Jesus. Oh, man. How, how good was that? Never mind. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um... No, no, no don't, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> so it will nope. <laughs> sought dominion over the Perrin land, which is the area that uh, is around Sojkan. Right. Gotcha. And uh, I used now an adult led her armies and she ruled for a decade over the Perrin land with an iron fist. During this time, she had a second child, a girl named Drelzna, who was definitely not Graz's. Uh-oh. That's how uh, uh, a demon and a human make a vampire. They don't. Oh, oh no. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Oh, you done fucked up. Oh, no. Well, Igwil wanted more. She sought to extend into nearby lands, and Graz began to suspect that he would never actually be free, because he's still <laughs> bound. It's- I was reading this, and I was like, holy shit, he's still bound? Oh, oh it's been God. like, let's say. It's been 10 years. It's been a decade. I mean, it had to have been more than that because. Okay, so it said a decade. Okay, well, I. Oh, right. She. Okay, it was a decade of rule plus all Whatever. the time. So let's say. Let's say her son's got to be like at least, let's say 20. 
before he starts trying to like lead her armies. So like thirty years. So like it, it's been and, and however long it took them to yeah practice conceiving a child before then. <laughs> like let's say it's been like thirty to thirty five years. He's been bound this whole time, and he's still like, yeah, she's gonna give me my freedom one day. Look, you can't let me ask. Say what you will about demons and everything. At least. They are passionate when they think that they're in love. I guess. How good was her? Um, oh well, her demonomicon, if you will, <laughs> for it to. Oh my god! For oh him to god. be. I'm just saying. Uh, for, nope. for, for it for him to be like fooled that long and under the impression that she was actually going to. Anyway, I would like to put in a petition that we do not refer to that as the demonomicon. <laughs> no, just just hers, just her. <laughs> So anyway, uh, Graz has waited for a weakness. I feel kind of bad for him. And, and then he turned on Igwil, which, again, like, I... You know what? Say what you... Like, it, it, yeah, he... Fair. He, it, yeah. Honestly. They had this giant epic battle that forced Igwil to expend everything she had. And ultimately, she did slay Graz, but, you know, he's a demon, so it just banished him to the abyss for a hundred years. Yeah, he just... <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll come back, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, her power was weakened, and Ayaz's handsome form was shattered. Oh. He split into two forms, a decrepit old man and a red-skinned hulking demon. What the fuck? So, I was not, so he, his, ha- his handsome form was shattered into a not-handsome form and a probably still pretty handsome by demon standards form. Yeah, Let's be honest yeah. with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, in 4th edition, they, I don't know... So if they retcon it or they just add this, that Igwilb's form is also split and that she has dual forms as well. That Hence. between her usual beautiful form and a crone. Oh, oh. so is that is that a further delineation? No. Okay. You saw where I was going. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, so Igwilb abandoned the caverns, took Ayus, and fled north. Which one? Yes. It's the same one. He just has two forms. I know. Okay. Oh. It was just a joke. Well, oh. now Lewin knows. Okay, see, I misunderstood. I thought it literally, like, fractured oh, yeah, no. his, it, it his, just, his form into, like, two different bodies. He looks like nothing like he used to, but it, like, it, it basically it took the combination of him and split it into two horrible things that he can switch between. Gotcha. Okay, see, no, I, I thought it literally was, like, a... Like two separate discrete shards of like I use. Yeah. Yeah, no. Okay, um, cool. Well I'm glad I'm glad you made that joke actually. <laughs> uh so she regained her power, I believe it said over the course of like a decade, um, but abandoned her son and went <laughs> to the abyss. <laughs> Why? Why would you go to the abyss? You know he's down there. Grazit returned the favor and imprisoned her. See, this is what you get for being cocky. <laughs> and for like cheating on him and lying to him about freeing him for like if you had just freed yeah. him he probably would have stuck around and like had all of your demon ba- well you would have had his demon babies provided you with the demon babies and helped you do whatever you want yeah because no. selfishness just destroys demon relationships mm-hmm. you need to discuss this <laughs> anyways what was her okay no I really am with Travis. what was her plan well, in I mean, going- she had bound a, a demon. She didn't think that she needed to come up with one. Oh, with going to the abyss. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I wonder why she thought that was the move. <laughs> Maybe she she probably really was just cocky at that point, like you said. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, she like you said, she'd bound a demon already. She'd had him under her thumb for at least 30-some years, probably-ish. Yeah. 
So she probably was like, yeah, I can just waltz onto his home turf and I'll be fine. And lo and behold, she was not. Eventually she got free and went to take vengeance on the world. It took decades, but she began building her army and, you know, uh, heard about the fact that her daughter was killed. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're... And then that's when the Crook of Rao was de- was used against her. Oh, no. So uh, after that, I used, used this opening of, like, all this confusion to create an empire of tyranny. Tyranny is capitalized. It's <laughs> oh. literally called that. And expand it through the north of, through the lands north of the parent land. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going like to make an empire. Just like yeah, father. I'm gonna make an empire. What are you gonna? What am I gonna call the empire of tyranny? That totally makes it sound like nice and good, right? It's perfect. Oh. Um, ever since her defeat, Igwil has helped her son, who at this point became a demigod. Uh, but she seeks to create her own rule again because, of course, she does. Right, naturally. All, yeah. All this, and I want to point out that at this point, Tasha and Igwil are still separate characters, at the very least, to the public. Natasha and Tasha haven't even been confirmed as being the same character. (laughs) Oh my god. It was not until 2007 that Wizards of the Coast revealed that they were all one in the same. Oh, sick. An adventure called Expeditions to the Ruins of Greyhawk revealed that Igwil once joined a group of famous adventurers called the Company of Seven under the guise of Tasha. The final issue of Dragon Magazine, number 359, uh, finally states... Tasha and Igwil were one and, and the same and were also related to Baba Yaga's adopted daughter, Natasha. All possible denial is put out of the question when it uh, has been stated in multiple sources, including a revamped dancing hut for 4E, that Natasha the Dark eventually becomes Igwil. Cool. Damn, they took a long time to, From, to what, show their cars there. Yeah. Like, yeah, from... Basically, first edition to fourth. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you. I mean, and <clears throat> you would assume that they were they they were planning that that whole time. I hope, right? I mean, okay, so that's the thing we don't know because obviously we don't know. Yeah, you know, um, and the just, original source is no longer with us. So, right? I wonder if um, <laughs> I wonder if that was like if it was it would almost be funny if it was unintentional. And then, like somebody, like it out. somebody, the the one, the person who was holding the singular, <laughs> the person who was holding the singular brain cell that the fourth edition writing team had, <laughs> like was holding it for that day, and realized these connections, and they were like, "Wait, what if? What if? <laughs> you guys, wait, wait, listen to this." <laughs> so, um, Iwilf is the narrator of Tasha's. Cauldron of Everything, because Tasha's the narrator of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, but everything personal, blah, 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 everything personal about her is from before she became Igwilf. In this, uh, she's described as being somewhat true neutral, despite having pre- have previously being chaotic evil. Okay. Uh, this is expanded on by interviews with Wizards of the Coast. Um, uh, so lead rules designer Jeremy Crawford pushed back on the idea that Tasha could be described by a single type of Alignment, stating that her alignment was whatever suited her current plans best. That's a definite change from her previous depiction as chaotic evil sort of character and reflects a further development of her character beyond that of the oftentimes stereotypical scheming seductress that Igwolf was portrayed on in past adventures. Crawford said that Tasha is a person who is unfazed by beings of many sorts. 
In addition to having consorted with dark, darker beings, I'll say consorted, uh, <laughs> she is also consorted with, you know, beings of the upper planes. Basically, Tasha, in her brilliant curiosity, is untroubled by various moral variations in the planes of existence. If there is knowledge to be learned and to power and power to be obtained, to be gained, bleh, uh, Tasha is unafraid to face it. Tasha is whatever alignment suits her for the day. So I guess in that sense, she really is true neutral. Damn. Hmm. So like her alignment literally can just kind of just change to whatever she's doing. Or like Which, it said at the end, she is just straight up true neutral and yeah. doesn't have issues one way or the other. No, you know what? That that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I can vibe with that. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah. I'm uh, very glad that uh, Jeremy actually expanded on that. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a good reason to assign somebody that very center alignment, you know? Yeah. Other than just erroneously like, eh, here you go. So, as Travis mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Tasha has some amazing commentary in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, and I highly recommend reading this supplement. It's genuinely amazing. Um, she has a comment on each of the class specialties in the book. It's pretty good. Like, um, let's see. Let's see one. Um... Go to Paladin. Okay. Let's see what she says about Paladin. If it's not a, just a fucking roast, I'm going to not ever read this book. So regarding the um, the sacred oaths for the Oath of Glory... You, you're it. You're the winner of the Cosmic Fortune Lottery. Oh, and you're going to tell absolutely everyone all about it. Just great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I am not disappointed with the oh. commentary, man. It's just so good. That sounds like something I would write about Paladin. Uh, for the Oath of Watchers, which um, protects from extra planar creatures, uh... Tasha says, these Palantins aren't at all what, up to what I expected. Worse, they send home your party's best guests. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I love it. Uh, to close out on Tasha slash Igwilv, I'm going to read um, this excerpt from the very beginning of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Um, and a, just a couple more quick things. Um, so in fourth edition, they actually adapt the Demonomicon which is her all of her information. Uh, and it includes a couple of fun facts that she wrote her first Demonomicon while she ruled, ruled the Perrinland. Uh, cool. When she was imprisoned by Grass, she was kept in his palace, so they were probably up to the nasty again. <laughs> um, probably. Probably. The, uh, Igual possesses a shard of the Demogorgon's demonic essence. Oh, Okay. Uh, the Baba Yaga taught Tasha to summon demons when she was 10. <laughs> Jesus. No wonder why she was able to imprison him. Yeah. 10. That seems a little seems a little old. <laughs> I mean, I would say like eight. You can learn to summon demons when you're eight. And Igwald knows the true names of 12 or more demon lords and can bend them to her will. Okay. Maybe that's why she felt confident walking into the abyss. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, okay. Fair <clears throat> enough. Fair that, enough. That, that's not even cocky. That's just like, yeah. That's, you know, I know the power I hold, except she probably forgot about the fact that... Or she just made some some other kind of misstep, you know? Yeah, her uh, ex-lover was down there. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, I would, I would argue, I think that she probably decided to go down into the abyss for that express purpose, actually. I think, I think personally, she was going after Grast. Because you could kill, you could kill a demon in the abyss, probably. Um... 
Maybe it's difficult. I or I may <laughs> or maybe she was going down there for a booty call. Probably. You know, oh, try to get it, try to get him back, and he just like accidentally panicked and killed, and like you know, well now she's stuck here. Pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. he calls whenever accidentally, accident, um, or or you know, she just was she was hankering for a snack and she plucked a pomegranate off a tree, you know, by accident, didn't think about it. Anyway, <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry, not to do no, all the fun good. facts, but that just informs her decision to actually go to the abyss a little bit for me. So now I read from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. <sighs> my yes. dear, sweet, lucky reader, you know me. You've heard of my exploits. You've spread my titles. Natasha the Dark, Hira of Ket, Baba Yaga's daughter, which part excellence, and if you're not trying to impress, just plain Tasha. For longer than I care to confess, I sought out mysteries and wonders that beggar description. Well, wonders that beggar descriptions of those not raised in an immortal's dancing hut as I was. (laughs) Within this tome, you'll find a sampling of the curiosities I've documented during my travels, including my exploits with the infamous Company of Seven, my studies with the original mad archmage Zagig Irigurn, (laughs) and my correspondence with world-hopping and sanctimonious luminaries like Mordenkainen, Unfortunately, at Mordenkainen's request, a panel of experts from the Greyhawk Guild of Wizardry, which I'm assured is an esteemed center of learning and not at all an elaborate scam to swindle highborn rubes, has been granted editorial oversight of this work. As a result, I understand that some of my less traditional findings have been saddled with various rules for the supposed safe continuance of mystical arts and, indeed, all life in the multiverse. (laughs) No matter... Through a combination of irrefutable arguments and spells, I've convinced the editorial board to furnish me with this advanced copy of their work. In reviewing it, I've added a variety of helpful marginalia. I expect that with the inclusion of my insights, guidance, threats, and critiques, clever minds will have all they need to advance their accounting of the multiverse's infinite audacities. And even if not, read on and maybe you'll learn something my Archmage semi-peers are terrified of you learning. I'm drawing back the curtain of reality for you, reader dearest. Summon your courage and take a peek. Fuck yeah! Uh, oh, that's I so good. That's Tasha. so good. Holy shit. I just love Tasha so much. Uh, uh, that was really fun for me. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. Uh, it's great. I love it. But yeah, that uh, that is everything I have slash... Everything I can do without just reading through every bit of Tasha information in here. You just read the entire Tasha's cauldron of everything. Yeah, you just read like all of her, all of her notes. Yeah, yeah. And that would be a whole two episodes on their own. However long, however it, it long, it would be a little while, something like that. However long that would take. <clears throat> you know, I wonder. That makes me wonder. If she wrote the disclaimer or not about the, because the fact that the the inclusion of the detail that the Baba Yaga loves muffins makes me think that she did, but also by the way, mom loves muffins. She loves muffins. muffins See, I feel like if she did yeah, write the are. disclaimer, it would have obviously been by her because she would just want to take credit for it. Mm, true. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But that's all I have this week. Alrighty. Ugh. That was fun. Yeah. That was um, surprising. Yeah, there were quite a few twists and turns there. <laughs> right? That I was like, at the very. not expecting. At the very beginning, and then, uh, oh, the Baba Yaga's here? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, 
Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, don't forget, follow us on all of our various social media platforms mentioned in our ad break previously. Spread the word to your friends. Your friends are like the Baba Yaka. I mean, I know they exist. <laughs> I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure you probably have one. Or if, you know, anyone doesn't know Tasha but loves the spell, Tasha's hideous Or they, they know Tasha but they don't know Igwilf. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Or they just want to know more about Everything. Tasha. Like, maybe they know in just this very little, but they want to know more. True. Well, tell them, and uh, we'd Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and um, to request Taylor to do an episode that's just an entire reading of all the marginalia. Just can- an episode where I just pretend to be Tasha. <laughs> you can email us that request at dungeonpedia.podcast.gmail.com because I know it's something that I would enjoy. And with that, thank you all once again for listening. And we're going to catch you next week on Dungeonpedia. I kind of want the dancing cut, though. Yeah, that's... um. I also want the dancing hut. Can we make a dancing hut? We can try. I think we need to start with a tiny hut. 